we are live here at the latest Aggie Pridecast. I am your host, Brian Holloway, here with my uh, two co-hosts, as always, Mr. Carl Deacon Harrison and Spencer Turkin, the voice of North Carolina A&T men's basketball, baseball, and whatever else we ask him to do. Uh, we are excited to have be back with you again uh, this week, and uh, we have a special guest with us starting out. Uh, our facilities director, Mr. Billy Edringston, the man, the myth, and the legend, in case you were wondering. Uh, he's going to talk to us about all the wonderful things going on facility-wise at North Carolina A&T. Later on in the show, we'll be joined by the Ross family, the first family of track and field for North Carolina A&T. Of course, the uh, head coach, Dwayne Ross, his son, Randolph Ross, one of the best runners in the country, and his daughter, Jonah Ross, will also join us here on the Aggie Pridecast. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. I, I think we need some bumping music just to, to kind of intro us in. What do you think? <laughs> we can have that. <laughs> of course, there's some graphics and everything. Uh, we are excited to be here. Um, again, we are uh, sponsored by Carolina Ford Dealers. And Carl, before we get started with Mr. BillyE.com, why don't you go ahead and give us a, uh, give us a little update on Ford. Carolina Ford dealer. Sure. Ford is built to fit your lifestyle. Check out the great offers on the vehicles that will help you win the day at buyfordnow.com. Learn why they're built for victory and built for the Carolinas. Contact your Carolina Ford dealer, proud sponsor of the North Carolina A&T Pridecast and North Carolina A&T Athletics. Thank you, brother Carl. And uh, Billy, what's going on, my man? Nothing much, nothing much. I'm glad to be here. I'm, uh, I want to uh, thank my agent for uh, getting in thank my agent for getting in contact with you to make sure I came on before the Ross family. That would have been a tough act to follow. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I really appreciate that. Uh, well, everything is going well. You know, we we're trying to make make moves through this uh, COVID nineteen. This this pandemic and uh, <clears throat> it's been kind of a, a love hate type, you know, thing where you have a few months off, you catch up on some of your repair renovation, but at the same time, the spring looks frightful. <laughs> no question about it. No question about it. And as far as the Ross family, we all can't be number two in the country. So we just have to be the very best we can, you know, while we're here. So like I said, I'm going to give my, my, my publicist and, and my uh, agent a tip for giving me on before him. <laughs> uh, you mentioned COVID, and so that's a great place to start. Uh, you know, we are looking to start a football season in the spring, which is unusual. And so people want to know, uh, you know, how many people could come in and how all that works. And I know we're kind of still working through all of the details, but what can you share with us? Well, um, Back when the uh, the governor, Governor Roy Cooper, started giving executive orders, uh, he started um, um, making sure that uh, he covered all of his bases in terms of amusement parks, stadiums, arenas, indoor, outdoor. And we basically go by what the governor mandates. So, um, you know, early on, it was a little bit different for all of us to try to start a football season back in the fall and um, I'm on this uh, committee with the UNC 
system associated uh, ADs that are responsible for these events. And uh, the the larger schools played in the fall, so we kind of had kind of a roadmap as to how to follow those things. Um, and uh, we get around to the spring now, and we have a pretty good idea that the governor is going to say, "Hey, you can bring your parents in." Uh, you know, player gifts for the parents only, but we're still kind of stuck in uh, phase 2.5, so we're not really sure how many fans are going to allow us to have in for football season. Yeah, and uh, there also has to be some uh, consideration for softball, baseball. Does the fact that those sports are outdoors, does that change the dynamic a little bit versus a volleyball or a basketball? It does. does um, the guidelines for outdoor, since you in the natural air and, and uh, you're not as closely, you know, packed in. It has a a big bearing on uh, how the uh, mandates uh, or the executive orders come out. You know, we were looking at different scenarios. Um, the latest one we were looking at 7% in the stadium uh, as far as football. Uh, but you look at what we have as far as softball and baseball, you're looking at your teams possibly having to spread out on their benches or some even outside of their benches because it's so tight in there. Now what does that do for the fans? Where do we put the, you know, the extra ball players? Um, you have to have some space for them. So that's, you know, you have to take all those things into consideration before you get to the capacity of your, uh, your venue. Yeah, uh, um, there's going to be all interesting uh, dynamics uh, to go along with that. Uh, talk a little bit about, uh, is there a plan once things start to kind of settle down a little bit? Uh, do you see us gradually kind of letting fans back into the gates or are we just going to kind of open the floodgates kind of like a greatest homecoming on earth type deal? <laughs> I don't think it'd be one of those. I don't think it'd be. I think it'd be just like it was walked down to where we are now. I think they're going to walk it back up to where they're going to have, you know, um, full capacity. But that may not be for some time. I think everything has to be in order, you know, your vaccines or, or people getting vaccinated, uh, your, your, um, your hospital count, your death count, all those things have to go down. And uh, before you even think about trying to get everybody back in there and your protocols have to be in place. So uh, it may be a little time before we're able to, you know, reach full capacity, but be back at uh, greatest home company. Well, you know, that's going to be the question because, uh, uh, you know, that's coming down the pipe uh, sooner than we think uh, this fall. And so, It'll be interesting to see where we are at that point. We're with Billy Edgington. He is our game day operations person, uh, our facilities manager. Let's talk a little bit about some of uh, the great things going on in North Carolina A&T. And we've got Coach Ross coming on later. Let's talk about, let's start with track. Uh, that, that, um, that big circle in the middle of the uh, stadium has uh, made a huge difference for us. Uh, it's changed the kind of the dynamics of A&T athletics. Uh, Certainly, uh, and now we've got a new surface down. Talk about that a little bit and the process uh, 
that it took to get that down uh, on the ground? Well, uh, um, I guess the the actual track and field when we first um, put down the Mondo surface back in about 2004, I guess it was a, a brainchild or a dream of Coach Roy Thompson's. And um, once that was put in place, he basically gave us the blueprint as to how to make it successful. And the way that, you know, you make it successful, you, um, you have to teach, I mean, you have to uh, treat people the correct way, the officials, the officials make it go for you. And once you have your officials in place and people like uh, yourself call, you know, the athletics department, just having the right people around to develop a culture of, you know, them being here, you know, you wanting them to be here. And uh, so, you know, that was, that was the biggest thing. And coach Ross is just taking it to a different level. I mean, uh, he's young, vivacious, uh, all those, you know, things. Uh, he's been there, he's lived it so he can teach it, you know, uh, uh -huh. He, he, can, he can go in a kid's house or talk to a kid on the phone and say, you can get there from here. And because uh, he know where there is. He's been there. So, you know, um, he, he's really made a tremendous uh, difference uh, to kind of move Coach Thompson's ideas and dreams into realities, you know. And uh, and I take my hat off to him, you know, every time I see him, uh, Coach Thompson, as well as, you know, Coach Ron, you know, they've done well. And I guess the biggest part of how all of that plays into it is the fact that we're able to get kids on campus. They, they come to see us. If you look at it, you know, it's kind of a weird dynamic. Um, they come to ENT to be on the track. That's a recruiting benefit all in itself. You don't have to try to go out all over the world to see them. They come in you, the best of the best. So, yeah, Before I let uh, Spencer in here, when Spaceman first came to you with that idea of having putting the track in, did you foresee all of this, what it would be, national champions, number two team in the country. I mean, did you see that we would get this far over the past 16, 17 years? Well, to be, be honest, I, I really didn't. Uh, Brian, uh, uh, who is that? Uh, Mr. Thomas Bynum, uh, who's my mentor, uh, Theron, and Coach Thompson, we used to sit up there on the deck at Strickland Fieldhouse and talk about, you know, the vision of, of the track and what it could do. Uh, by that time, Mr. Bynum had been to several Olympics. Uh, I saw what the uh, United States Olympic Festival looked like down in Germany, having worked down there with Mr. Bynum. So I, I saw it from the inside out. I didn't see the workings of it. And uh, they just, just painted the picture. Uh, Theron was a big track guy, Space, you know, of course, the coach. Mr. Bynum had him going to several um, 
Olympics, traveling the world with the track team. So they were able to paint a picture to me that I didn't see initially. Once I got involved in the inner workings and saw how the youth, the grassroots um, program pushed the, you know, to the next level of college and to the national that that convinced me that this is a you know a different revenue source Phil, when you when you look at the the track that's down now and that's all set and ready to go so now we can play football games how important has all that construction getting out of the way and everything done been to make sure that the field is actually going to be ready to play for football well, to be honest with you, Spence, uh, when we first started um, trying to look at a timetable, it was like trying to jump in when they're doing that double dutch, you know, jump rope thing. Not quite sure when, when to go, when to go, when to jump in. Uh, but we kind of jumped in in, in uh, late spring and early summer this year of trying to get it done and get to a point where we could have football season in the fall, but of course we didn't. So that kind of helped us out a little bit. We were able to take our time and make sure we got everything correct. Uh, in doing that, um, you know, you you prepared, you know, the way you would normally prepare by overseeding, you know, with the fields and whatnot in the, uh, the early fall and preparing for the winter. But uh, this is gonna be a little bit different. Um, you're going to be playing in February. Um, you know, you have adverse weather conditions. You have rain. You have snow. Uh, you don't want to wake the Bermuda grass up from its dormancy, but you still want to feed the rye grass that you have down there. You want it to be nice and pretty. But the main thing you want it to be is safe. That's, that's the biggest thing. Is this going to be a case where a lot of schools, not just – us are going to have to really consider resodding before the next season, before the fall? Well, if you can afford to resod, you know what I mean? Uh, hey, that's not cheap. It's not cheap. That's for, you know, for two games, if you're going to resod, uh, I can see if you were Kansas City Chiefs and you went between the hash marks and, you know, you got Patrick Mahomes throwing for you or whatnot. But uh, those things aren't cheap. You, every time you're talking about resodding, you – with what you're reciting, yeah, that's that's a um, that's an investment in, in itself. Well, we we, we think uh, we think Jalen Fowler is just as good as Patrick Mahomes, so you know we <laughs> go ahead well, and lay we, that down. <laughs> well, we like to take care of him the same way. Let's yeah. let's say that. Yeah. Good question. Good question. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, sir. Uh, Bill, you, you also mentioned that the track could provide new revenue streams. I mean, we, we've hosted New Balance. We, we've hosted all these these other kinds of, of track meets at A&T. What other events do you think we could potentially bring in now with a brand new surface? Well, what you're trying to accomplish when you have a brand new surface is everybody wants to be on your timetable. You know, every four years you have an Olympics. So you're trying to get the the best, the fastest, you know, athletes here. So it kind of, it's kind of cyclical, you know, you jump out of the Olympics, then you start that first year, you get some athletes. By the time you get around to year three and four, 
that's when you're going to get your name brand athletes coming here to try to perform, you know, on the first class track. So, um, yeah, you know, you're going to get the best of the best. Uh, you're going to get, you know, we say new balance, but I will say national scholastic high schools, you know, uh, I won't say new balance just yet. And, um, you have that, and then you have USATF, you have AAU. So, um, yeah, you know, we've, we've had people visit this campus that would have never visited before. And that turns into new students. New students turn into uh, growth of a university. And, uh, you know, more applications, the whole nine yards. So, you know, that's, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to, like they say, build it and they'll come. Well, listen, what Spence wanted to ask you is, listen, <laughs> can we have the Division I National Championships here? That's what he wanted to ask you. Let's, let's get all the preliminaries. Well, can we get a national championship here? Can we host one? Well, I'll tell you this, Spencer, I'll give you part of the carrot, not the whole okay. carrot. Uh, right, right now, we're scheduled to host the Division Three National Championship here this summer. I mean, this week. Big deal. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah, and believe it or not, that you know that has a lot of different schools that are here locally and in this area. You know, you you're touching a different group, and so uh, that's going to bring you know different students here as well. You know, I I remember when we first had um, um, we first had hosted our Division One regional, and I think there. Were was a school that came up from somewhere in Alabama, Georgia, something, and they really didn't have an idea what our campus looked like. And they asked if this was an HBCU, and I had to say yes. You know, but they, you know, they were just amazed that, you know, how clean the campus looked, the buildings, uh, you're hosting, you know, this event. No other HBCU has hosted a, a regional, Division One regional, so. That speaks for itself. Uh, let's step away from track a little bit. We've got a lot going on uh, in Aggie athletics. Let's step into baseball. War Memorial Stadium, historic uh, stadium. Uh, how close are we to having ownership of, of that stadium, or are we not close at all? That's staying right now. That was such a nice way of putting it, Brian. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so I, nice, I'm a nice guy, man. Let, let me say this. Brian, we're closer than what we were before. <laughs> no, that's been a whole lot, Billy. <laughs> you know, we're closer to, though, to be honest, um, I, I think you know uh, we're waiting for all the, you know, the attorneys and whatnot uh, to look through stuff and you know get the paperwork back to us. And uh, I think, and I'm hoping that you know within the next couple of months or so. Uh, that we will get, you know, the paperwork or the deed, you know, to the property. Uh, so we can kind of come up with a concept or get some ideas together to develop a concept of how we move forward. Yep. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, let's talk about football a little bit. Uh, we've gone from Aggie Stadium to BB&T Stadium to now Truist Stadium, and the new signage is up, and you guys did a great job with that. Uh, any other new developments coming to the football stadium uh, anytime soon? I know we got the great scoreboard and those type of things. And 
Secondly, how hard it will it be to keep that field put together, you know, no, considering you're starting a season during the wintertime? Um, well, I guess I'll, I'll be uh, more adverse to talk about the grass as opposed to what else we're planning on doing down here. Uh, yes, yeah, it's going to be tough to keep the grass green and, and keep the coaches off of it, track and field, football, the whole nine yards. We just ask that they give us two weeks to prepare, you know, before the first game to make sure that it's on solid footing and, um, you know, and, and that it's safe. Uh, as far as what's happening around the stadium, uh, if it's around the stadium, I can speak in terms of maybe the Bryan Fitness Center, the weight room renovations. Um, <clears throat> We uh, started with the weight room renovations uh, a couple of months ago. Um, and uh, I guess within the last month or so, we are 95, 99% done. Um, we've taken out the old racks and brought in new racks. Uh, we have 10 full power lift racks and four half racks. Uh, we've uh, gone to, you know, back to the concept itself of um, going from non-weight-bearing equipment to semi-weight-bearing to full Olympic lifts. So if you know you know what that means, it means that you now have the, the bikes, you know, the riding bikes, the rowing machines, the various things that uh, athletes might use in rehab uh, or rehabbing an injury uh, to going into the weight room and full participation, and then back out on the playing field. So um, that's taken some time. And uh, when we were doing the renovation, or before we started the renovation, um, uh, Mr. Hilton had the concept that um, we need to make sure we address our nutrition and rest, you know, for our athletes. That's one of the things that, you know, we were missing as part of our uh, as part of our program, you know, uh, educating the kids, making sure that they're eating properly, knowing how, how rest has an impact on their athletic performance. So we've done up a little something uh, special in terms of the nutrition area down here in the weight room. We couldn't go the Clemson route and put the beds in the, you know, in the, uh, in the field house. We couldn't go that route, but the nutrition area I think is going to be a focal point to where the athletes start to, you know, look at how they how they eat now and how they eat 20 or 30 years from now. So I'm going to give you this opportunity, Bill. I'm going to give you this huge platform because we're already getting the questions. Um, so I'm going to give you this huge platform to explain why uh, a natural grass surface uh, is better than uh, the turf field. And I'm going to give you – you got the whole because the questions are starting to pop in <clears throat> the natural grass. Why is that a better surface uh, than uh, the, the turf go? It's all you, baby. I, I don't want to go there. I knew this would come <laughs> up. I don't <laughs> want to go there, but um, artificial turf has its, um, it has its purpose or it has its place, you know, here and there. Um, 
if everything that that you hear about turf they're trying to imitate or emulate the feel and the look and the texture and the everything of natural grass why not have natural grass you know you you trying to do everything that you can to imitate it how it plays how it feels in a whole nine yards um but like i said you know uh, artificial turf has its place and whatnot and you know the biggest thing is is um i, I look towards the future um i've seen athletes play on turf that have played on turf and uh how they're beat up, banged up, this, that, and the other, you know, I want to be able to look a guy in the eye, you know, 10, 15, 20 years after he's finished and say, hey, look, we tried to do the very best we could to provide you a safe surface to play on. It wasn't about, you know, us and how, you know, it made us look, but it gave you an opportunity to play on a safe field. But, um, we could go on with the pros and cons for this for a while, Brian. I uh, I would rather that those people just come to me direct, and and you know we'll talk for a while, and we'll we'll change you know exchange pros and cons. I don't have a problem with that, you know. Uh, but I think this program is too short to to go back and forth, you know, with a turf. But you know I will say this: we are an agricultural school. If we can't grow grass, then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Uh, so there you go, the Billy E platform. Uh, he explained it to you. So there you go. Uh, and for some reason, he invited you to talk with him. But uh, you know, so uh, that's that invitation is out there as well. Uh, no questions about it. Uh, we are here on the Aggie Podcast live with Billy Edgerton, uh, facility person. Before we go on with him, Carl, give us another commercial, my friend. Okay, Cone Health. Cone Health is committed to keeping our patients and our team members safe during these unprecedented times. With an extensive network of doctors and specialists, nationally recognized hospitals, and the convenience of 24-7 video visits, Cone Health is right here with you. Go Aggies. Thank you, Thank you Mr. Harrison. Uh, let's go from uh, the football stadium, Billy, over to Corbett. Uh, there's some nice new walls <laughs> going up in Corbett. Uh, A&T is starting to now really tell its history um, through uh, through some of the uh, different um, improvements over at Corbett Sports Center. Uh, talk about that. Terrell, uh, women's basketball coach Terrell Robinson has a wall. I think uh, the men's basketball team is getting one. Talk about that a little bit. Well, uh, I think you have to uh, – I'll talk about it, but I think Carl and, and – and Danielle were more excited about, you know, putting things in, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, no, um, uh, Corbett, uh, when we, we've been looking at how can we make Corbett look more like a basketball arena. Uh, you have to try to motivate the kids. And, and you know, as we saw it down in the bowels of uh, – Corbett Sports Center and whatnot, it, it wasn't anything that resembled what you would see on a Division One program in terms of the look, the feel, how you, you know, how you recruit, how you uh, measure up to the other places that, you know, kids are visiting. It just didn't have that look. 
So um, we had, uh, you know, little money, little time um, to part, start putting things together. And, uh, and, you know, we got some bright minds and some energetic people. Um, the coaches, uh, Coach Jones and Coach Robinson kind of came up with the concept of what they wanted their locker rooms to look like, what the hallways look like, what their offices look like. And uh, uh, Carl kind of pulled those ideas together. And Daniel kind of ran with them a little bit, you know. Uh, and, you know, you get to a point where, you know, you have to let the youth kind of express themselves because they know what the other kids are looking for. You know, so you just kind of, step out the way let's make sure we do it tastefully do it professionally and uh and um let's get it done but uh i think it's going to be a real good look downstairs in the basement of uh corbett i think it's gonna um help us a lot in terms of of how we perceive the importance of our basketball players to you know, to the university, to the athletics department, and um, and you know, it has a touch of history in there, and and uh, on both sides, men and women's basketball. You know, I was I was proud to see that you know our young bucks uh, did recognize you know the contributions of the old folks and whatnot. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's I, I think it's going to add a nice look. Um, it may not be something that I guess the average fan will see every day, but it's player, you know, it's player friendly. It, you know, when they come out of their locker rooms, what, how do they look at themselves? You know, how do they, what will be their legacy? What will they leave on the wall? You know? Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's fantastic that we're finally, starting to really show the story of our rich men's basketball history. Uh, I think the, what Carl showed me, the Don Corbett and the Kyle Irvin wall, excellent. You know, those guys are, you know, Aggie sure. men's basketball. I mean, that's just, sure. that's just what it is. Um, and you know, that's going to be great. The wall that uh, Terrell and those guys put together, the women's basketball coach. Um, so I hope the fans do get a chance to see it. Uh, a lot of hard work went into it. And uh, I think it's going to be an excellent look for us uh, going forward. Uh, before I let Spence jump in here, finally, uh, let's go over uh, near more gym. There's this big bubble, this big dome over there. Um, and uh, all indications is going to be an outstanding practice facility for some of our uh, sports, baseball, softball, golf, all, all the way down. Kind of describe what that project, what the idea for that project is, and is there a timetable? Well, um, first of all, we, you know, uh, that was a temporary facility or uh, for the student union or, or the, um, the dining hall or eating establishments and whatnot. So um, we started with the concept that, um, you know, maybe this can become something, uh, an added asset uh, to the athletics department. And uh, maybe we can use it, you know, 
to uh, support our uh, softball, uh, baseball, um, cheerleading, uh, golf, uh, as a place to get out of the uh, weather when, you know, when it's raining, snowing, extremely cold outside and whatnot. And um, so uh, I guess we've, we've had a donor to step up and want to help with that project. And I think it's gonna be called the Glover Performance Center. Uh, but um, before we get there, we needed a swing space to move our current weight room, you know, to continue lifting over the holidays, uh, November, December, we needed a place to sustain this while we did the uh, renovation down here. So that's what was put in. Uh, now within the next week or two, we're gonna move the, you know, the weights, the plates and different things out of there. And we're gonna start moving forward with, uh, I guess, the, you know, the projects in there. But as you know, when you deal with the state and the state property, there's a whole bunch of red tape that you have to go through. So it has to be moved from a temporary facility into a permanent asset. And that has kind of taken some time. You know, you had to get on the agenda of, of the state. And uh, so hopefully once, once those things are moved out of there, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry about that. Once those things are moved out of there, um, uh, we can get back to, you know, the renovation at hand. So, and like you say, you know, pitching cages, uh, hitting cages, um, an area where, you know, the, uh, the golfers can chip instead of chip behind Carl right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where they can, they can go and chip and, 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 you know, we're looking to have a kind of a undulating, uh, I guess, putting green in there um, to kind of, you know, like they say, imitate the real real thing out there on the course. You know, we'll put some turf in there, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. But we, yeah, we're looking to have something up there and, and we're looking to have our, uh, maybe a little small sports medicine area up there that we can be able to, you know, handle uh, any type of injuries we got going up in, in that, uh, in the dome undulating i like the word man that's uh that's pretty good man that's a school word that's i got that from cal Irving. he told me to learn a new word every day now <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh you know brian and billy you were just mentioning the history of a t and the story that guys like cal Irvin and don corbett told but uh it, we couldn't go through today without mentioning uh ronald mcnair obviously today is uh, January 28th, uh, the day of the Challenger disaster. And uh, uh, obviously, uh, Mr. McNair was uh, quite a, a big piece of A&T history and uh, yeah, just a perfect kind of person to, to tell the story of A&T. So I just wanted to make sure that we uh, that we mentioned that today and uh, and just let everybody know that uh, obviously uh, the Aggie family is thinking about him and, uh, and his family today. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's no question about it. And I think, you know, he's mostly, 
known for the challenger accident, but really go back and read the history on this guy. He was like a dynamic uh, individual. I mean, he, he was more than just the NASA astronaut who, who died on the challenger. I mean, he, he was a, just a, a, just a multi-talented uh, individual. So if you get a chance to read up on Ronald McNair, you really should. I mean, he was really a very dynamic individual. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, he really epitomized what it was to be a student at a &T. No question. No question. Uh, before we, uh, before we go out, uh, just wanted to see, Billy, if there's anything else on the horizon. Uh, for our Aggie fans, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to come out of this live link and get into another one so we can bring the Rosses on. They're having a little time, hard time getting in. So we'll probably have to pause the show for about five minutes and then come back. So please don't go too far away. But, Bill, is there something else that uh, is on the horizon for us in terms of facilities before we let you go? Right. Well, the biggest thing I would say is that I will – with us um, when we finally get War Memorial Stadium and whatnot and, and kind of put some things together. Uh, I think that, you know, everybody will be happy, but, you know, it's, it's going to start with smaller steps. You have to start with life safety issues at the stadium first. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of go from there. Uh, but the other thing is with all the, the various properties that the university is buying up, in that area, um, back in the back, I'm, I'm, you know, I think the War Memorial Stadium will eventually become a cornerstone of the um, of the campus, and I think that with the people that we have in place, our leadership and our administration, I think that they're going to do right by War Memorial Stadium, and. Uh, and encompass the land going to the south and the east, you know, back towards the main campus. You know, 10 years from now, you may not even recognize what everything looks like over there. And I'm just excited because I think we're finally reaching our potential. Uh, no question. I mean, a is growing uh, leaps and bounds. You can see it. Um, and, and, you know, uh, we didn't even get to the baseball offices uh, that have been uh, yeah. renov renovated. Uh, they look very nice. Ben Hall and those guys have done an excellent job uh, down there. Um, the meeting rooms for the football team, you know, uh, you know, I know our fans don't get a chance to get down there and look at those, but those are just excellent. I mean, those are just Division One quality uh, meeting rooms now that they have for the A&T football team. And so uh, and I'm sure I'm missing out on some, some, some great things that is still going on uh, with, uh, with our facilities. And so, Billy, kudos to you. Uh, you and Danielle Williams, you guys are doing uh, a fantastic job, and uh, the the facilities and the scoreboards and you know all that kind of stuff is um, is looking fantastic. So uh, a really great thank you to you. And I do want to say this before I let you go. One of the things that I really learned from Billy E. working with him all these years is just the the idea of hospitality. Uh, Billy Edgerton is number one when it comes to hospitality and A&T hosting events and making our guests feel welcome and making sure they have everything they need and making sure they, you know, Danielle, make sure everybody's fed and all those kind of great things. I mean, um, you know, when you come to A&T, you know, we welcome you um, as if, you know, we really want you here. And Billy Edgerson has been at the forefront of all that. And so I do want to compliment you on that. You did do a great job of hosting all of these events that we have. So appreciate you, brother. Well, thank you, Brian. Uh, I think, 
Uh, and like I said, you know, it's it's a team effort. It starts at the very top, you know, uh, with the administration uh, in terms of the chancellor and, and uh, Mr. Hilton and, and all of our teammates and colleagues we work within the department. You know, it, it makes it more of a joy to come to work and support each other as opposed to, you know, um, just coming as a job is, you know, you enjoy it. You enjoy having the camaraderie and the, the friendships, you know, and being able to laugh and joke and, and uh, still work to get a common goal accomplished. So uh, thank you all, you know, for what you do. Uh, Spencer, part of the family and and Carl, and, you know, got a little young blood there, Carl, coming in. You know, uh, you, know you appreciate his bright ideas, you know, and Brian, you know, we're becoming part of the senior crew and what that. So, but I uh, know every everything is you know everything is looking up, and I do appreciate everybody. All right, uh, as we mentioned before, we're gonna jump out of this uh, broadcast. Uh, we're gonna come back in about uh, five minutes, and we're gonna bring on uh, the Ross family, uh, the first family of track at A and T. Uh, they are awesome and outstanding. And so we look forward to talking with them. And so don't go too far away from your phone or your, your computer because um, we're going to come right back uh, in about five minutes. And we're going to have uh, Dwayne Ross, our director of track and field programs, uh, and two of his children uh, with us who are on our North Carolina a and track and field team. Really, thank you again. We'll be right back. Thank you. All right, welcome back to the Aggie podcast. Uh, we had to step out a little bit and come back in, and now we've got some really, really, really fast people uh, on the uh, uh, on our broadcast here. So don't blink because you might miss them. Uh, we've uh, got it with us our director of track and field programs, Mr. Dwayne Ross. Uh, we don't have uh, enough time to go through all of his accomplishments since he's been at North Carolina A and T. Let's just say he's won a lot, <laughs> uh, uh, four straight. MEAC Indoor Championships, uh, men and women, uh, and they will go after their fifth straight men's title uh, during the spring, uh, and the women will go out of four, four out of five uh, in the spring, and so and certainly he has brought us a national championship in Kayla White, uh, and I better stop because, again, you can just go on and on with all of his accomplishments, and then on top of that, he's brought us a couple of offsprings uh, with us here to North Carolina a and Track and Field. Uh, his son, Randolph Ross Jr., uh, a sophomore, and uh, his daughter, Jonah Ross, uh, who is a freshman. Uh, joining me again is uh, my co-host, Spencer Turkin, uh, and uh, my other co-host, Carl Harrison. And before we uh, talk to the Rosses, uh, Carl, let's tell us what's going on in the, the world of A&T marketing. What can we expect? What's coming up? I know we got a, a crazy, crazy spring uh, <laughs> Kicking off here, especially starting this weekend, got some basketball games and got some postponements. We got a lot of crazy stuff uh, going on. So just kind of fill us all in on all the craziness. Absolutely. So yeah, that'll be the theme of uh, probably every podcast we do will be a, a weekend of updates, uh, unlike any other. So um, we'll get started this weekend. Um, obviously, volleyball was supposed to start off the spring version of their schedule. Um, has some postponements um, for Wednesday and Friday. Hopefully, we'll be back to normal. Um, this Sunday, they'll kick off their season at home against Davidson College at 5.30. 
Um, earlier this that weekend, um, we'll kick off uh, men's basketball. We'll take on Florida A&M on Saturday and Sunday, both at 2 p.m. On Saturday, you can catch them on Flow Sports. Um, so that does come with a subscription. But on Sunday at 2, you can catch them on NCATAggies.com with Spencer Turkin and former A&T legend Stephen Rush on the call. Um, so be sure to check that out. Uh, we also have women's bowling getting started this weekend. I, I think they flew this morning, if I'm uh, correct, um, up to Baltimore, um, taking on Coppin State. Um, I think it's a uh, – can't remember who else is in the tournament up there. So um, be on the lookout for that. Women's basketball had their games postponed uh, this weekend. They were supposed to travel down North Carolina Central, um, but had some postponements due to COVID issues. But they should be back in action next weekend. Um, and we'll talk about that uh, another time. But next weekend, first weekend in February, uh, both the men and women will take on South Carolina State at home Saturday and Sunday, 2 and 4 p.m. That's all I got for you. Thank you, Carl. Uh, while we got you uh, talking or whatever, give us another commercial before we uh, bring you off. While I'm at it, yeah, sure. Uh, Food Lion, Aggie Fans Food Lion is a proud sponsor of the Score to Get More program. For each free throw, free throw the Aggies make during the season, Food Lion Feeds will donate 100 meals to local area food bank. Thank you, Carl. And you can get all of our sponsors on NCATAggies.com uh, at the bottom of the front page. Please uh, support uh, the companies that support North Carolina A&T Athletics. So we have the Rosses with us. And, Coach, uh, you are the – your men's team, indoor team, is the number two team uh, in the country. Uh, and, you know, you look at the list of the schools that are uh, not ahead of us, you know, uh, Arkansas is ahead of us, but the LSUs and the Tennessees and the Floridas. Um, are some of your counterparts and some of those power fives looking at you sideways? Yeah, we've been dealing with that for the last few years, but, uh, you know, we, we just, you know, keep our nose to the ground and, you know, just keep working and, uh, you know, questions always, you know, are floating around like, you know, what's going on at A&T and you know, how can these guys run fast? And um, as, I, as I say all the time, hey, no one has a monopoly on running fast. You know, it, and that's not just limited to a, a, a few schools here and there. So, uh, you know, we work hard. We have some very talented kids. We have a very great staff. And, you know, we just continue to do what we do. Well, for those who are wondering, we put one foot in front of the other. And we run faster than you. So, I mean, that's pretty much uh, the, the breakdown of how we're getting this, this thing done. Um, when I talked to you the other day, you said to me, if you ain't first, you're last. Um, <laughs> is that, is the Ricky Bobby way mentality, what you want to instill in these kids is that, you know, yeah, this is great for an HBCU, but we want higher, we want to get to the, the highest level. Absolutely. You know, and, and I hate to take that away from them, you know, because uh, uh, every year we get better. And this is what we've been striving to do, to, you know, to win a national championship, to be in contention to win a national championship. So I hate to take that away from them. But at the same time, there's nothing really to celebrate at this point. Uh, you know, rankings are nice. You know, it gives us a, a point of reference, uh, you know, during the season. But national championships are second weekend of March. And, um, you know, and the, the beauty about track and field is that you got to get on the track and you have to compete. So just a friendly reminder, we had just a friendly reminder, right, Junior, on, uh, on Tuesday <laughs> that um, we still have work to do. Coach, 
Do, do you think it makes it uh, a little easier to keep focus this year without MEAC championships before NCAAs that unless you win the NCAAs, you're not winning anything? Yeah, there you go. That's right. And that's exactly, you know, and, and that's exactly the mentality that we took. As soon as we, as, as soon as the staff, as, as we felt that conference might be canceled, we just, hey, that's okay. This just gives us an, us an opportunity to say, hey, the only championship we're preparing for is NCAAs. Now, of course, we're going to miss having a MEAC, especially with us leaving, uh, you know, not having that indoor uh, our last year in the MEAC. Of course, you know, that's uh, unfortunate. But, hey, it, it gave us motivation. Like, hey, you know what? This is the end game. Let's get ready for it. So, yeah, it was a blessing in disguise. I'm sure the other schools aren't, aren't going to miss it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss seeing those guys. You know, some good coaches in the MEAC, man. Some good guys. I'm miss seeing them. Uh, Coach, uh, um, you have a very short indoor schedule. Uh, you don't have a whole lot of time to qualify for NCAAs. What was the mentality coming into the season knowing that it's a condensed schedule and you're going to have to put some of the better known names out there early and have them run? Well, how, how did you kind of prepare for that? Well, uh, you know, I'm kind of uh, afraid to, to, to uh, admit this, but I was kind of hoping that indoor is going to be canceled. I mean, I know our athletic director is not going to like to hear that, but uh, with everything going on, I said, hey, you know what? It wouldn't be a bad thing if they canceled that so that we can just concentrate on the meets that we have and then our preparation for NCAAs. I mean, that was right up our alley, you know, because we're, we're never too far away from competition. We're training during the year, uh, but the way we like to, uh, you know, to put our program together, the way we like to train is that we're never too far away from being able to step on the track. We're not, so we're not that team that spends, you know, months doing fall training and, and then all of a sudden, hey, let's start doing some speed work because we have a competition in the month. No, we're always preparing. Everything has a purpose, always preparing for a competition. So this was right up our alley. Uh, you've got a young man right here on this video chat uh, that has a great chance of winning a national championship. Uh, he's number three in the country in the 200, number three in the 400, and number one, uh, four by four. Uh, you've got um, uh, Tavares Wright, Javante Harding, uh, Cambria Sturgis. What is it going to take to get some of those names uh, into that winner's circle to win a national championship where Kayla White was a few years ago? I think it's, it's going to uh, take them just doing what they've been doing. I mean, we're on track to do uh, exactly what we set out to do. Uh, we slow walked this fall because, as I mentioned, I had a feeling that indoors might get canceled, so it gave us – a lot of time to prepare a little bit more. Uh, so we slow walked, you know, this fall season as far as training and preparation. And that worked great. I mean, you see Devontae, I mean, freshman coming in running 20.6. I mean, that's his PR outdoors and whatnot. But it gave us time to really prepare him and to really get him ready for this season uh, and whatnot. So, you know, this, 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 this year here has just been uh, absolutely crazy. And it doesn't take much. These kids have a lot of pent-up aggression. I mean, they want to get out there on the track. So all I'm doing is giving them a, a, a venue to let it all out. Hey, you know, here's the track. Here's the weight room. What do you want to make of this? I mean, you know, Junior will tell you, you know, having that NCAAs taken from him a day before, you know, I didn't have to say anything. I could see it in his eyes as well as the other guys on the team. So as a staff right now, all we have to do is just, hey, here's the track. You know, what do you want? I mean, they, they bring the work ethic and the discipline. I mean, just a great group. Uh, this week, the, the men's team was number two in the country. The women were uh, number 35. 
Um, and you had an excellent recruiting class for the men last year, one of the best in the country. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and tell us where the women's program is as it continues to progress. Are you going to have that type of recruiting class for the women Absolutely. coming in next year? Absolutely. We're already there. I think you and I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago where I mentioned that the women are just a year behind uh, the men as far as doing the same thing. So we, we have a great recruiting class. We signed the high school national champion uh, in the hurdles, uh, one of the top recruits out of uh, Georgia. Uh, I mean, we, we're, we're just loaded on the women's side. So I'm excited uh, about our women going forth. And my daughter, she's on here, Joan, and she can tell you as well, when those rankings came out, when they, when they came out this past week, I didn't mention our women at all, you know, because I wanted them to, hey, I said, hey, um, this, this is self-explanatory. We're, we're better than this. Uh, so as, as, as we move on, you know, a lot of success on one side, but, you know, Brian, we've been at this a long time, and, uh, and you know I'm not satisfied if, if we're not getting it done on both sides, men and women. So we got to pull these women up. We got a great freshman class in right now, uh, you know, and, and they're getting better week by week. Uh, we just need some, some more leadership out of that group and, and, and we'll be fine this year. But next year, I, I tell you, this it's going to be the women's show at ANC. Coach, uh, how was, how was your recruiting strategy and philosophy changed here now after you've built these programs up? It used to be, let's go find some diamonds in the rough that I can coach up. And by the time they're juniors and seniors, you know, they're going to be ready to, to really go. Now I feel like you're, you're getting the top kids in the country to, to consider and commit to A&T. Have things changed for you? Well, not as much, but you are correct in that sense. We, we have become more of a, a, um, a brand when it comes to tracking through here in A&T, and we get a lot more interest. And, and those uh, recruits that you mentioned that are high on that list, you know, they are. We are in their top three. Uh, you know, so – you know, that's just a testament to how hard these kids have worked to, to build this program. But as far as the staff and as far as our recruiting philosophy, that hasn't changed whatsoever. Uh, you know, we don't recruit uh, just based on, on numbers. And, you know, we don't look at a list and say, hey, let's just recruit the top 10. You know, we stick to the formula that works. You know, we came in here and, and we've been developing since I've been here. That's one of the things I think we do well. Uh, you know, so we'll, we'll continue to do that. Now, I will say I'm... I'm <laughs> be the first to say, I am happy that it has gotten a little easier <laughs> because it, 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 we spent some years in the trenches, you know, it, and it, it was not easy, you know, uh, but recruiting is convincing a student athlete that A&T is where they're, they're, they they want to be. They just don't know it at that moment or whatnot. So, you know, my staff and I, you know, we, we work hard. We, we still, we're still in the trenches, but it has gotten a little easier. Coach uh, Andre Mumford says, what's up to you? Uh, and then we've got a question from a fan who says, how has COVID affected recruiting? Because uh, the AAU and the high school schedules are also shortened. So how has COVID affected uh, the way you recruit? Great question. Uh, I have a saying with all of our student athletes when they come to me with excuses uh, about why we can't get something done. You know, my, one of my sayings is, hey, if you know, take it on the chin. No one cares. Uh, whatnot. So when COVID happened, as soon as it happened, uh, I brought my staff together and I told them this was an opportunity. Obviously, we got to stay safe, but uh, when we come out of this, we have to be ready uh, because you know we had to have the foresight to say, hey, there's going to be a lot of programs that just take a vacation and they're going to wait, you know, for us to come out of this and then say, okay, now let's get back to work. We've been working through this thing the entire time. We immediately went to Zoom. 
Uh, we immediately went to, you know, uh, you know, more phone calls, uh, you know, being interactive with the recruits, you know, interactive tours, you know, virtual and everything. I mean, we had to be creative, uh, you know, so we all hate COVID, but it gave us an opportunity to, you know, to step our game up, you know, in a, in a way that we haven't before. And actually this, as I mentioned, this has been one of the best recruiting years for us, uh, especially on the women's side. And we, we still have some heavy hitters coming in on the men's side next year as well. So it, it changed up recruiting, but you know, I, hey, we have to adapt. You know, in athletics, that's what it is. It's, it's not a nine to five, it's, it's all day, every day. Uh, you know, we have to make, you know, adaptations uh, and, and we got to take it on the chin and, and keep it moving. So, hey, that's what we did. Big hello to Jane LeFavors. She hey. says she's Dwayne Ross's, Dwayne Ross's teacher, so hello to her. Uh, Coach, we had this discussion uh, before we bring the, the, uh, the uh, students in. We had a discussion with uh, Billy Edrington, and I had a discussion with Roy Spaceman Thompson over the summer when I saw him. Uh, his vision for putting that track into uh, the stadium and what it would bring and then the combination, he's very complimentary of you, of you coming in and using his vision to really build this into a powerhouse. Talk about just how important his vision was and how important you using that vision has become to the ANT track and field program. Yes, so first let me mention that, hey man, for those of us who know, you know, Coach Thompson's space, I mean, you know, come on, that, that guy, he epitomizes what track and field is. Um, you know, before I took this position at A&T or, you know, right before I took it, it was important for me, you know, to, to, you know, have a conversation with space to say, Hey, you know what, this, this is not about trying to come in and, 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 you know, outdo or, you know, change things just to continue, you know, what you started or whatnot, because I mean, this man was here and did a lot of things. I mean, the resources that we have now, you know, I mean, are, I mean, it's extreme levels to what, he had to work with, you know, back in the day, you know, so he really built this program. So I'm just a steward of this program. You know, I'm, I'm going to do the same thing he did and keep building and keep making it better for the next coach, you know, whenever that time comes, you know, as coaches, that's what we do. You know, it's, it's, this program belongs to the institution. It belongs to the alumni, it belongs to the student athletes. We're just stewards of this program and charged with making it better. But um, I, I will say coming in and having the facility and having New Balance Nationals and, all these competitions here, it gave me an edge up, right? I mean, because you know, as far as recruiting, you know, we have the best kids in the country on our campus every summer. And, and, trust, and trust me, our coaches and myself, we're, we're in full recruit mode doing those competitions. You know, having the best kids in the country on your campus, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So yeah, all of those pieces were in place before I came. All I had to do was, you know, take the reins uh, from space and, you know, and just, put my twist on it and, and here we go. So, but yeah, extremely important, you know, love space to death. Uh, I mean, he is so instrumental in what we do now. And as I tell our student athletes, you know, hey, you know, it's, it's about legacies in, in our culture. You know, we can never forget, you know, where we've come from. Uh, how important was it? Uh, we all saw the video of uh, Junior when he announced that he's coming to a and how crucial was that from a recruiting standpoint uh, to get him here at A&T, somebody who was considered uh, a no-brainer for a Power Five? Uh, how big was that to get him here from a recruiting standpoint uh, once he signed with A&T? 
uh, first, that was big for my heart because <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is, you know, my, 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 my first son here. And, and uh, you know, while he was going through this recruiting process, you know, I, you know, I, I bit my tongue. And uh, Brian, you still here? I'm here, yeah. Okay, somehow this, let me find you, let me find you. I don't know what, what just happened. I can see you. You can? Yeah. Okay, well, I can't see, I can't see you. So, well, I just keep talking. So, just keep talking. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so, so in any case, uh, it was huge getting him here. I mean, that was, I mean, that, that was some much needed marketing, you know, for our program. Because up to that point, you know, you had to be in that, you know, in that track culture, that track world to really see what A&T was doing and whatnot. I mean, we, you know, every year we were getting better. Whatnot. I mean, we were climbing in the rankings every year, whatnot. But until, you know, athletes like, you know, my son here, Randolph Ross, Kayla White winning nationals, you know, it took that kind of exposure for people to really wake up and say, hey, you know what, these guys are for real. This just wasn't one year. Whatnot. But personally, as a father, I'm going to tell you, I was sweating bullets during his recruiting process, you know, his, his and Jonah's, because I want my children to be happy. I want them to make their own decisions uh, and, and you know, and learn from those decisions. So I, I laid back and I let them take their visits. I didn't go with them. Uh, I just tried to be objective, you know, give them my opinions, you know, on different programs, different schools. But both of them had me sweating for a minute. I, I, for a second, I really thought my son was going out west, you know, and that worried me more than anything. You know, I won't mention the school, but I thought he was going out west and I was having some conversations with some other coaches like, man, I don't know what I'm gonna do if this kid goes out there. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm more concerned as a parent not as a coach and running against him. It's like, hey, my son is all the way over on the West Coast and nobody's going to treat your, your children like you are. Uh, so I, I'm just, I, I'm ecstatic that I'm able to see them both every day and, and see them grow. Uh, and both of them, you know, Junior and Jonah here, both committing and coming here has done wonders, you know, for this program. How Thank you, coach. hard was that for, for you, coach, during the recruiting process when you're hearing these other coaches mm -hmm. make their pitches? And, and sitting there and thinking, well, hold on, I can offer you the same exact thing and more. <laughs> I know, I know. It was tough. It was tough. I, I'll tell you, as tough as it was with Junior, it was tougher with Jonah because, you know, fathers and their daughters. and whatnot. So, you know, I kind of had my hand in that one a little bit more than, than Junior and whatnot, just because I'm more concerned about, hey, my baby girl, yeah, you know, <laughs> who can I trust with her? You know, I tried not to be that helicopter parent you know, during recruiting. I had to check myself a few times, but it, it, it was extremely, it was extremely difficult dealing with coaches talking to them and trying to convince them that, hey, this is the school you're supposed to be at. And I'm sitting there looking like, yeah, what are they saying? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but what about, what about for you two? What was it like going through that whole process with your dad as now your head coach and, and really has been there for you the, the whole time? This is me or Jonah. Uh, for both of you. <laughs> Whoever wants to answer first. Johnny, you go ahead. No, Because <laughs> I forgot what she just said. Yeah. <laughs> Can you repeat the question? Well, what was it like going through the recruiting process to eventually decide to come to A&T and run for your dad and while listening to some of these other coaches and, and then having to go to your dad and talk to, to him about it and, and get his advice? I never really went to him to get his advice because I already knew what he would probably say. 
But um, I always had a in the back of my head, like, because I kind of knew I was going to go there, but I still want to explore my options like he wanted us to do. So, yeah. Uh, Randolph, let me uh, talk to you. Uh, first of all, it's very hard writing anti track stories now because there's way too many Rosses. So you just kind of get, you, know, you got to write everybody's name out now or whatever. So it gets really tedious. But um, talk about the process of, you coming to A&T, what was that process like, you know, having to make that decision uh, to come and run for your dad? How difficult was that for you? Um, it, it really wasn't as difficult as visiting another school and having to make a whole decision we don't know anything. Like, ever since, like, my sophomore year of high school, I was able to watch Trevor and watch him progress as he comes from, like, a 46 all the way down to 44. So I was able to see like the progression in like each athlete he's had. So we knew he was able to get people to run fast without having to be fast. So we knew he was a good coach, but when we came to him, he still wanted us to explore our options and like check in other schools. So we liked how he wasn't pushing us to go to NT, but he always had the option if we needed it. Uh, a year ago, you had the fastest time in the world. Uh, that's like the whole big world uh, in the in the 400. Uh, but you didn't get a chance to compete at NCAA's, and you didn't get a chance to compete uh, during the outdoor. How heartbreaking was that for you? Well, as as a freshman coming in with like a fast time, national like not having nationals, which is basically the end result of like all the training and everything you've done your whole year. Having that taken away was a little upsetting, but there will always be another race. If you can keep up, there will always be another race, always be another competition you can race in. So for the moment, it was it was pretty bad. <clears throat> but now I've gotten over it, and my dad says, you're only as good as your last race. So <laughs> at this point, he's got to prepare for the next one. Uh, Jonah, how, how, uh, how tough is it? running for dad because uh, you have dad and then you have coach uh so how difficult is that dynamic uh for you having to uh be the daughter and then at the same time be the student athlete it's not that difficult um sometimes we like he'll talk to me like i'm his daughter and i like that but like it pushes me more like because he's my coach and like he knows I can be better than what I'm giving. So it makes me better and it pushes me more. So I like the combination. So give me the difference between when he's speaking to you as dad and when he's speaking to you as coach. Is there a difference in his voice inflection? Yeah. I mean, how, do you, how can you tell? Okay, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> he'll be more soft. He'll be more soft talking to me as if he's my dad. But if, like, in the coach way, he'll be yelling at me and, like, what are you doing? So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good that you know the difference. That 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 uh, that helps. That helps. Uh, coach, how difficult is for you to to coach your your children? Uh, uh, if I'm being honest, <laughs> they are totally different. Uh, but you know that's the difference between men and women. Junior, extremely easy. Extremely easy. Uh, you know, junior is hey, tell him what to do. He goes and does it, and that's that. My daughter, oh my gosh, you know, I've gotten a few more grades since she's been here this fall. 
she's a hard worker. Uh, she, she's a very hard worker. But the difference is Jonah is going to give you everything she has when she's ready to give it to you, right? And, and, and that's, that's where we're having some of uh, those moments on the track when the voice is high and whatnot. So, but that's, that's her transition. You know, everybody has that transition their freshman year uh, where they're kind of, you know, figuring out where they are, where their place is, uh, how their relationship is with their coach. And with her, you know, it's, it's different because her father is a coach. So she's still working through that dynamic as well. Uh, whatnot. And sometimes I'm like, okay, I just yelled at her. Maybe I need to go rub her on the back. But then she doesn't want that. So I'm like, what do I, what am I doing? You know, I mean, am I doing something wrong? So it's, it, we're both kind of figuring it out. Hey, Jonah, that was said in love. I mean, I think that, that was coach and not dad. <laughs> it was. It sure was. <laughs> let's take a pause here and uh, let's get another sponsor from our main man, Carl Harrison. I'll, I'll knock out these last two, sure. Uh, first one, Mitch Winters Chicken and Biscuits is a triad's true Southern-style restaurant. They're classically American Southern fried chicken, hot buttery biscuits, and home-style size can't be beat. Stop by every Friday, that's tomorrow, for Aggie Pride Friday, where you can get a two-piece dinner for only $2.99 just by saying Aggie Pride, located right next to campus with a 24-hour drive-through. And North Carolina Farm Bureau, uh, North Carolina Farm Bureau is in every county every day with over 800 agents helping friends and neighbors. It's more than business to us. It's a friendship. North Carolina Farm Bureau Insurance helping you is what we do best. Uh, Randolph, how many uh, butter biscuits did you get during the season, man? <laughs> uh, Be careful. <laughs> Not too many. We've been working our... Um, on our nutrition a lot lately. So it's getting a little better. I don't think I have any this year so far. <laughs> uh, talk about, uh, Randolph, your progression in the 200. Uh, last year, of course, the 400 was your 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 main event. Uh, but uh, this year, you broke the record, facility record at USC uh, in the 200. Uh, are you getting a little more comfortable in that race? Uh, gradually. In the beginning, the 200, I didn't like it at all because it was too short. <laughs> but now this year, since we had a, a longer off season, we worked a lot on strength and speed. So now I'm getting a little more comfortable running at that speed for that short of a distance. So I'll get used to it as the year goes on. How much did the longer off season uh, help you guys? It, was, it a, was it a benefit for you, the fact that you were able to train a little bit longer coming into the season. Um, do you see the difference? Um, <clears throat> I do. Strength was one of my like, biggest problems last year because coming into college, I'd never like touched the weight. So this off season gave me a lot of time to get stronger. And it was something that I needed in order to make it through this longer season. So, so far, I like it. Uh, your father was an Olympian. Um, how how much does he talk to you about what it takes to get to that level where you're representing your country? How much of a conversation is that for you guys? And how much of a benefit is it that, you know, your dad has, uh, has competed on that level? <clears throat> it's actually uh, very beneficial. I mean, we don't talk about it, like, too much. But um, in those times where you do need, like, the extra rep in a workout, 
But when you do need that practice when everybody else is off, those that's the time when you get those messages from him saying like, the Olympics is, there's millions of people in the world that always dream of going there. So having the chance of one out of eight in the 400, being able to make it, it's extremely rare. So it's not something that comes easily. Uh, Jonah, how much of, uh, is there a sibling competition between you and your brother? Uh, do you guys kind of try to outdo each other? Is that something you guys done did throughout your childhood? No, not really. Um, like throughout high school, like sometimes like when he would uh, win a race and then like, I'll be okay. So I got to do the same thing and it'll be the same thing back and forth. So that was how, like, we pretty much, like, worked off each other. And so, yes, that's a, yeah, that's pretty much it. We just worked off each other. Go ahead, Spence. Jonah, do you prefer uh, indoor or outdoor track? Uh, I'm not sure. I think I prefer outdoor. Why? Um, Because I like the one and the two. And for indoor, like, the only, like, shortest race would probably be, like, the 60. I don't know, like, the 60. I like, the long races. So, um, and the only thing really for indoor would be the 200, and I'm not, I don't really do the 400 right now, so I think I like the, the outdoor track for the 200. And uh, Randolph, what about you? Are you, uh, you a fan of indoor or outdoor more? Um, out of high school, I was, I was a big fan of outdoor, but I'm starting to like indoor as we get closer to the season, because I haven't ran outdoor yet, but... I'm more excited for the 400 outdoor than indoor. Coach, what are the biggest differences trying to, to coach indoor to outdoor? Is there much of a difference when you're, when you're trying to coach up both squads? Well, not really. The, uh, the biggest challenge we have sometimes is obviously we don't have an indoor facility uh, that we can use regularly. Uh, you know, we do train up at JDL and Winston-Salem on occasion, uh, but, we're, but we're not fortunate enough to have one on campus where we can really get in there and bang every day. So uh, the, the biggest challenge is, you know, when we get into competition season, you know, getting the guys like Junior and Jonah prepared for that short oval, you know, for that 200-meter oval other than a 400. So, you know, we're training on that 400 oval, uh, you know, all day, every day. But, you know, we, we, we train for outdoors anyway. You know, we don't, we don't put a lot of emphasis on indoors. We train for outdoors. Sun doesn't shine indoors. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, and when, it, when the competition season – when it gets here, you know, we start making those adjustments, you know, here and there uh, for the indoor season. Coach, you, uh, uh, we got a question from Preston Barnes, uh, one of our fans here watching us. Uh, you guys are so so well known for the sprinters. He was wondering what's your strategy when recruiting some of the field talent that you need to have a complete team? What is some of that strategy? Because does it hurt you that you are known as sprinter you yeah. or whatever the case may be? Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting to that, that point where we're building, you know, that type of, we're always going to be heavy in the sprints and hurdles. I mean, that's, that's just, that's our identity. And I do believe every successful program has its own identity and that's ours. Uh, but we are building those areas up. Uh, I mean, as for, for example, in the jumps, uh, you know, Brandon is ranked, you know, I think seventh nationally uh, in the long jump, you know, so far this season. Uh, in the throws, we had a bus, you know, at NCAAs in the 800. Uh, last year, so we're growing in all of those areas, and when that so, so no real strategy as far as recruiting, other than just hey, you know, getting the best talent possible. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean the best time, 
uh, you know, it, it means the best talent, you know, the, the student athlete that wants to come in here and continue to get better. Uh, you know, so our coaching staff, Coach Barrett in our middle distance, he's done a great job building that program. I think it's really going to take off this year. Uh, we just need to get on the track uh, outdoors, uh, you know, so he's holding some of those ladies back and some of those guys back waiting on outdoors. And you're going to see that 800 up to the 5K really take off in the middle distance. I'm excited for that. Uh, and in the throws and in the jumps, you know, the same way. Our coaches have really, uh, you know, been hitting the recruiting trail and uh, getting some great talent in here and also continuing to get better as we all are as coaches and getting our athletes, you know, to that level. Uh, talk a little bit about the uh, outdoor season. You didn't have one uh, last year. Um, are we going to see some athletes that we didn't see indoor come into the outdoor because of eligibility and those yes, types of things? Yes, and, and that's why I cannot wait for outdoors. I'm excited for indoor nationals, obviously, but uh, I cannot wait to outdoors uh, because we had everyone, well, I should say almost everyone, uh, return uh, from uh, that were seniors last year you know, because they get this extra year of eligibility. Everyone that went to NCAAs, I should say, they're back. Uh, the female hurdlers, you know, Madeline and Tajerica, uh, you know, they're back to join Paula. Whatnot. So that is going to be uh, that is going to be a dynamite hurdle crew. All three of those young ladies I see going under 12-7 in, in the short hurdles. Uh, you know, so, you know, so they're back outdoors. Uh, that's going to be great. As I mentioned, Abbas, Marquise McGee, uh, they're back in 800, G. Jasmine Butler. Uh, I mean, we're just strong across the board. Jalen Mitchell, uh, he's back. You know, I mean, so this is really the year, you know, and that's why you've heard so much talk about us winning the national title. Uh, we got close to it last year and it was taken away from us. So all it did was make us a little, a little hungrier for it this year. Coach, what would that mean to be able to bring a national title, a team national title back to East Greensboro? It means we're going to the White House, Spence. Listen, I've already told our AD. I, I, Earl and I had this conversation last year. I said, hey, I don't care who's in the White House. When we win nationals, we're going, right? I mean, that is, that is huge. Uh, I mean, and not just for us. I mean, this – I think we've grown as a program to where we understand we're not selfish. We understand what that is going to do for track and field, what it's going to do for the HBC, uh, HBCU culture and track and field in general. This is going to change the game. And in, in, in a time where everybody uses this language, power five, power five, power five, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I don't uh, turn my nose up at that. I mean, that's, that's just what it is. If that's what they want to call themselves, no problem with that whatsoever. But in all of this, during this time when that's all you hear, right, the world needs to be reminded that, hey, you know, anyone can get it done with the right attitude, with the right discipline and, and the right culture, right? And I think this is going to change a lot of things. It's going to inspire, you know, a lot of HBCUs and, you know, in every different sport to say, hey, you know, I mean, every, every culture, every generation, you know, every program needs you know, a, a trendsetter, you know, someone to come in and, you know, to set that blaze, set that path, you know, for everyone else. And we understand, you know, what that is. You know, we, we, we you know, said, hey, we got broad shoulders. We're going to carry our, you know, our HBCU culture and, and you know, and any other institution that feels like, you know, they haven't been given a chance or they've been stereotyped, you know, and, you know, hopefully, you know, they take this and they use it for the better.
Coach, uh, a few years ago, uh, we had the old show at Daryl's, and you came in and did it. And at the time, uh, A&T was kind of just coming up short, finishing second. And I asked you about that, and you gave me this look that kind of scared me. But, <laughs> you know, uh, at that time, you gave me this look like this guy has no idea what is in store. Um, at that time, did you were you just biding your time saying, we're coming, we're coming. We just need a little more time, but we're coming. Did, when did you know that you had something special here at A&T? Oh, absolutely. Uh, every year. So I, I try to make a point to have a, every year to do better than the year prior, to have a better recruiting class than the year prior, right? Faster times than the year prior. What not, the goal is to always keep getting better. And I've stressed to, the, you know, to our student athletes time and time again, those, those years where we were finishing second, you know, at the NCAAs, lost by half a point, half a point. Those years when we were doing that, we, in, in my mind, we weren't losing. We were learning. And I've said that to our student athletes, you know, we have to learn how to win. And not just student athletes, us as a coaching staff as well, right? We have to learn, you know, how, how to be prepared for these critical moments, right? How to keep our athletes focused. We're not so... I didn't take it as, as losing. I mean, other programs took it as them winning, you know, but, you know, my thing to our student athletes was that, hey, you, you're either going to take the loss right, and you're going to treat it as a loss, right, or you're going to treat it as, uh, as a moment where we learn how to come out of this so it doesn't happen again. Not, so, yeah, I've been saying that since, since I've got here. So, and I remember us at that, at that, uh, at that restaurant. And yeah, you know, but, you know, I got to thank you and a lot of our other support staff here because they would never let me forget <laughs> losing by one point, losing by half a point, you know, never let me forget. Right. And it was just always turning like, you know what, once we once we get there, there's no turning back. You know, just just stay to play, you know, stay the course, stay the course, stay the course. You know, and, and that's what that's what we've done. Uh, before we bring uh, the kids back in, I uh, got a question from another fan who wants to know how. Do you go about putting your schedule together? Um, you know, the, the some of these prestigious meets reach out to you. Do you reach out to them? Are you on that level now where people are inviting you? What's the process of putting together your indoor and outdoor schedule? Oh, absolutely. We we, uh, we receive a, a lot of requests uh, to compete at different competitions. Um, and, you know, and some competitions we'll find out that, hey, you know, so-and-so is going to be here. And, you know, and I'll reach out like, hey, you know what, let's, let's lock up. Uh, because I always want to put our kids in a situation, you know, to where, you know, they're having to push themselves. Uh, every competition, I, I want to be at a, a national caliber level. So, yes, we do, uh, we do get some interest from other institutions, and we do reach out as well, and we put these competitions together based on what we need to accomplish. Uh, you know, for example, this year, getting ready for NCAAs, you know, every competition had to be, uh, you know, at a, at a great venue with some great competition. Uh, and especially with COVID being here, no spectators and whatnot. You know, track and field is not like uh, football per se, right? We need that energy. You know, we need the other teams in the building. Uh, you know, that, that energy, man, is contagious. You know, so, uh, so methodically we had to sit and say, okay, which meet is going to benefit us the most? There was some we had to say, okay, you know, it might be a good meet, but it's not going to benefit A&T. Uh, and, and we sat down, and I think we came up with the best possible schedule for our kids. Uh, one last uh, question from a uh, fan. They want to know, 
because your program is such on a high level, do you see Power Fives trying to lure some of your athletes away from A&T? Oh, all the time. All the time. Um, but that doesn't bother me. That, that's, that's a compliment. Uh, and it's a compliment to our student athletes, you know, how hard they come in and work. Uh, as coaches, I, I will say we get, we get a lot of credit. We probably get too much credit. Uh, because I'm going to tell you, our student athletes are, are wonderful. Uh, I remember being a student athlete, right, and, and just the, uh, the discipline, getting up, going to class, coming to training, you know, just mindful of your nutrition, what you're eating, what you shouldn't be eating, you know, going to bed, getting ready for the next day. Uh, you know, we really have a, a great group of student athletes that are disciplined. You know, they pull each other together and, you know, they, they, hold, they hold each other accountable. Uh, so they deserve, you know, everything that they're receiving right now and whatnot. I, I just stand here and, and, and get the accolades, man. They're the ones that are really on the track, you know, putting in the work and, you know, and, and making us look good. Okay, guys. If you break curfew or you, you mess up or something, what's the punishment? Is it two miles around the house? I mean, how, how, did dad, how does dad discipline? I mean, does he do it in a track way? Well... Yeah, just a- I take away those keys. Phones. <laughs> <laughs> they call the first thing to go. <laughs> so, so who's tougher on, on discipline, mom or dad? Dad. <laughs> what uh, What are some of the moments that you have with your dad that you think are are the funniest? Uh, what are some of the things that he does to kind of make you crack a smile? Or is he serious all the time? <laughs> Not all the time. Come on, y'all. You're making me seem a little, you know, I, I, I do have some compassion. <laughs> is it? It looks like small stuff, like just sitting around watching a movie or something like that, and he could like crack a joke or something. Yeah, but like. It's small stuff. His classic movies that we end up watching almost every day. Oh, <laughs> the classic movies. The Labyrinth. Yeah, I, the Labyrinth. I knew you were going to see that. <laughs> and what's it called? What's that old show? That old show you watch? Uh, yeah. That is a classic. I watch Hogan's Heroes every morning. That's my show. Wow, Coach, you are <laughs> old, man. Wow. I was going to try to stick in here for you. <laughs> that's I thought show. you were going to like Martin or oh, something. Oh, yeah, I love Martin. <laughs> but Hogan's Hero, that's my show. <laughs> no question. Well, we want to thank uh, the Ross children for uh, joining us. Uh, like I said, if you get a chance to watch uh, them compete, uh, they are outstanding. No question about it. And uh, you know, certainly uh, Randolph Ross Jr. has an excellent chance of bringing on some national championships during his career, and Jonah the same, and Coach is continuing to do a great job. And so we're just excited about the A&T uh, track and field program. I mean, uh, you know, people say it's the best track and field HBCU program in the country. It's one of the best programs in the country, period, <laughs> you know, uh, without the labels. So uh, certainly they are doing an outstanding job. Anything else, Spence, you want to close no, out? No, I'm just looking forward to, to hopefully uh, seeing some hardware brought back to East Greensboro. I mean, we're, we're right on the cusp. It would be amazing to see. No question about it. Uh, so thank you guys again. We'll come back here. Do this again next week. Uh, the Aggie track and field team, they're down in South Carolina 
on February 6th and uh, February 13th. Uh, then they go to the NCAA Nationals where they have a great shot of bringing home some hardware, like Spencer said. Uh, for Spencer Turkin, Carl Harrison, I'm Brian Holloway. Thank you again, and we'll see you guys next week. Hey, take care, guys. All right, thank you.